0: Oh, it is great to be with you here in this room and those who are uh, live streaming with us this morning uh, You live in such a beautiful part of the world It was just lovely to get up and drive along the highway and look at the ocean this morning You are so blessed to get up and see that ocean every day So I'm thrilled to be here with you today and I've just enjoyed worshiping with you this morning I haven't done the corporate worship thing for months now and this morning it was so meaningful to raise my voice with you so thank you thank you so indeed we're going to talk about this whole idea this morning about the plans that we have the plans they don't always come together and you remember that quote from the old tv show i love it when a plan comes together you remember mr t would say that as everything came together on that show from the eighties the the a-team you remember that I know some of you are giving away your vintage because you know that some of you in this room are like what i don't know what that is and i'm like oh well you're so fortunate because you're not that old uh the rest of us know what that is but the reality is for so many of us the plan does not often come together the way that we wanted it to isn't that the truth and when this happens which i'm quite sure it has it has left you at times feeling like you're standing on the sideline watching everything around you happen, and you're, you're on the margin, and things are just not unfolding the way you thought they would, and it can leave you feeling like you've been marginalized, like you are standing out there watching everything go on, but you're not a part of it. And when a plan doesn't come together, oftentimes it's dictated by our culture, it's dictated by our family, it's dictated by ourselves, by our own design, and we seemingly feel that we're only useful as a spectator in what's going on around us but it's in this place and we've already alluded it alluded to it Mariah alluded to it with what she talked about with her her egg experiment here uh, we see this when we look at the scripture the songs that we sang this morning so often when you find yourself in that place where you're not feeling like you're in the middle of the action when your plan is not coming together it's a moment for us to do take a soul-searching look at where it is that we really place our trust so that's something that we're going to look at in our time this morning as we begin let's just let's just acknowledge that the spirit of god is here in this place with us this morning let's pray father i just thank you that we can be in this building this morning physically distanced from each other But, oh, with our hope in you, we are together. I am so grateful, Father, that because of your saving grace, because of who you are in our lives, we have hope for the future. We do not need to be afraid. And I pray that as we open up your word, your living word this morning, and we see who you are and what you've promised and what the future holds for us, that we would be renewed in our purpose to serve you wholeheartedly. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus who saves us. Amen. So, over the last few months, if you're anything like me, you feel like you have been watching from the margin as our world has shifted. In many ways, we have experienced increased stress, more uncertainty, as we have watched the number of COVID cases climb. And we're watching a kind of a resurgence right now as we're meeting here together. We've lost jobs. We've been restricted in our travel. We've been restricted in the number of people that we get to see. And for many of us, you know, we, we've left been left sitting sitting longer in our homes than we have ever sat in years. You've kind of learned how to slow down. And apparently across B.C., and I'm sure it's true right here in Ladysmith there are more lovely gardens being tended to there are more home improvement projects that have been undertaken and apparently we have been adopting pets at an epic rate in our province and i i, I even got a cat during i got a cat in the last few months we called her cc which was sort of like covid cat or cool cat we weren't really sure uh, but as i as was already mentioned i have a really cute puppy named mona and we just figured out that It was just too much for me to have a cat and a dog running around my house. And so the cat went to live with a little girl who absolutely adores her. She sleeps in a bed every night with this little girl. If she'd stayed at my house, her destiny was to be like a mouse catcher. But uh, she didn't really think she wanted to do that. She wanted to be a house cat, so she went to live in a house that wanted a cat. So that's the story of my cat, uh, which I no longer own. But I remember, I don't know how it was for you, but I remember sitting in my car in May in my driveway going, do I still know how to drive this thing? Like, I'm not really sure. I had not been in my car in about two months. This season, in so many ways, it's been reminiscent for me of a time that I had last summer when I was on a sabbatical. I had big plans for what I was going to do on my sabbatical, what I was going to learn in this season of resting. When I, and I would describe to you that I thought when I was on my sabbatical, that I was in this season of living on the margin, being on the edge of everything that was happening. And you know, when this pandemic hit us, I again tried to imagine what I was gonna do, how I was gonna spend my time, and what I was gonna learn. You know, I set up a home office, I learned how to use Zoom technology, and I was certainly feeling like I was on the margin, watching all of the action straight through the Internet, like that's how I saw the world. Well, my sabbatical did not turn out the way that I thought it would. And as we sit in the midst of this strange new reality, and where we are worshiping and we are learning together in ways that we never dreamed we would, I am seeing God at work, in ways that i never thought i would see i never thought or or anticipated that god would be in this place in this season in the way that he is and the overarching question that we're going to look at this morning what i want you to think about with me today is simply this where are you in this moment of time are you truly trusting god with the outcome of what is happening right now we're going to look at this question this morning through the lens of the scripture and we're going to turn to two different passages of scripture this morning we're going to look in psalm 90 you can turn there in your bibles if you don't have a bible you can just close your eyes and listen as i read this we're also going to be looking at matthew 6. mariah already took us there as she explained her egg experiment and we're going to be looking at matthew chapter 6 um, a little while later in our time together. But turn to Psalm 90 with me, and we're going to start reading in verse 1. It says, There, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. I want you to know about a watch in the night. A watch in the night is about three hours. And in in the world that we are living in right now, where you're at home more than you ever thought you would be, I want you to think of this as this is like three episodes of Law and Order on Netflix. That's all it is, okay? I just want you to think about how fast that three hours goes when you're doing this like a mini binge watch. That's what it is. In verse 5, he says, you sweep them away as with a flood, talking about our lives. They're like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning, it flourishes and is renewed, and in the evening, it fades and withers, just like that. And then the writer goes on in verses 7 to 11, and he expresses the power of God over our lives. And then skipping down to verse 12, it says this, So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. We're going to come back to this psalm a little while later and look at the rest of this passage. But what I want you to know is that this psalm was a prayer that was written by one of the greatest leaders documented in the scripture moses wrote this psalm and moses begins by expressing in this psalm that god has been and continues to be our dwelling place past present and future our dwelling place in all generations he says in here he is from everlasting to everlasting And the significance of this statement is so multifaceted. But for our time together today, I want you to focus your attention on the truth that our dwelling place in God is secure. You know, we oftentimes face what we think of in our lives as, you know, the struggle we face is that we oftentimes think in our lives that in the context of what happened in the past, or we think of our lives in the context of what is gonna happen in the future how many times have you caught yourself talking about your life and the things that you do in the context of what you've already done what you've already accomplished or about the great big wonderful thing that you're going to do next week and what we see in this passage of scripture is a call to focus on what's happening in your life right now you see Back here in Psalm 90, Moses is saying there in verse 12, so teach us to number our days so that we may get a heart of wisdom. In the context of this prayer, Moses is saying, God, help us to make the most of our now because in the big picture, we have so few days, so few days that I cannot afford to waste any space or time on something that does not exist. You see, you can't control what happened yesterday as much as you can't control what's going to happen tomorrow. And what we see here is that Jesus brings this Old Testament lesson into his teaching syllabus in Matthew chapter 6. You can turn there with, with me for a moment. So in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus has got his disciples there. He's got a whole crowd of people that are following him. And he's just, in this passage, unpacked the Lord's Prayer. And we know that the Lord's Prayer is that foundational pillar that helps us understand what it looks like to have interaction with God. And after he he gives them the Lord's Prayer, Jesus then dives into some of the specifics that help us understand this tension that we live in, because we tend to toggle between the past and the future. So starting in verse 25 of Matthew 6, this is what Jesus says. He says, therefore, I tell you, you can imagine he's standing before his disciples, a huge crowd of people. He says, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not your life more than food and the body more than clothing? And then he says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, and I'm sure, like, I just want you to imagine Jesus is with this group. He's looking them in the eyeballs, and he says, which of you, by being anxious, can add even a single hour to the span of your life? I can't imagine what it would have been like to be standing there in real time and have Jesus say that to me. It would be life-changing. I want you to notice in this passage that Jesus is addressing this issue in the future tense. He says, don't worry about what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will put on. Jesus is saying to his disciples, don't be unsettled, don't be uneasy, or worried about the future because it's not going to increase your ability to control it. And then Jesus reminds them of what they already know to be true. It's like, I can't can't even imagine standing there and Jesus is pointing up at the sky and going, people, 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 look at the birds. Just look at the birds. I feed even the birds. I want you to think about the birds for a moment there when you think about birds there's things I I thought when I when I looked at this I went yeah you know he even cares about the birds and it's the birds that leave those special prizes on our windshields it's the birds that go ahead and eat the berries that you planted that you were going to make the pie with it's those silly birds when you go to the park and you want to put a blanket down and have a picnic they're called Canada geese and they have left their mark on every piece of green grass in Stanley Park there is not a place to sit on that grass because those birds have been there and i thought about you know birds can be they're lovely i mean maybe you're a bird watcher and there's some incredibly beautiful birds but you know there's the other birds that squawk and poop and do all their you know all the other things they do wreck the roof get into the gutter you know all of that and jesus is saying if i care about them how much more am i going to care about you and here in this passage of scripture we see something that we currently call prospection psychology i love it when i read the scripture and i see that even though people who are out there in social science don't even know that this really people the bible said it first like there it is prospection psychology is this See, research shows that our brains are hardwired to thrive in the present tense because we harness something called perspection. Perspection is the act of anticipating the future based on what we know or what we've learned in the past. Now this sounds so simple for us, and yet we fail to harness this, especially when our plans get changed and we feel like nobody consulted us before the change was made. Go here with me. Let's go back, let's rewind the tape to December, In the year of our Lord, 2019, if somebody had come to you and said, do you think it's a good idea to have a pandemic in 2020, what would you have said? Well, you probably would have thought it was a bad idea, but you would have said, well, thanks for letting me know so I can cancel my cruise now when I can get my money back. You know, there was, you think about all the mad scrambles that you had to go through when this whole thing hit and all of your plans got changed. You know, nobody consulted us, and so it, t- it sent us into a tailspin. But when we think about this idea of prospection in the scripture, it gives us this holistic understanding of the connection point that Jesus is making between the past and the future. Jesus is drawing us a picture that gives us permission to engage right now with a certainty about what is to come based on his provision in the past. And the point that I want you to settle on here is we take the words of Psalm 90. We see at the beginning of this passage in Psalm 90 that Moses is saying, he's basically saying this, he's saying what is happening in your life in this moment is the dwelling place where God is at work and the plan comes together. I cannot tell you how many insignificant events Relational issues and sleepless nights, mad scrambles, have derailed my ability to be satisfied with God's provision in the moment, in the now. You see, Moses brings this prayer in Psalm 90 to a close, and we go back to the end of this passage of Scripture in verses 14 to 17. He brings this to a close with a request that God satisfy us with his love give us the capacity to be glad all of our days and establish the work of our hands what i want you to do with me is add the word now to the beginning of each statement at the beginning at the end of this passage of scripture is as if we can hear moses saying lord now satisfy us now make us glad now show us your work Now bring your favor upon us and now establish the work of our hands. You see, the mandate that we see here in Psalm 90 and what we see Jesus reiterating in Matthew chapter 6 is that we need to lean in to what is happening in our lives right now. You see, it's in this margin, this place where we find ourselves, that we learn to live and say, no matter what is happening, God is on his throne He is from everlasting to everlasting, and I can live in this present tense moment because he is my dwelling place. You see, in the end, it's never about what I should have done, and it's not about what I think I should do. It's always about what I am doing right now and how I am being right now. So what do we know about margins anyway, those frayed edges of our lives? Well, what I know about mine is they are not neat and tidy. They are jagged and they are rough and they are crooked. And yet it is in this marginalized place that my trust in God and what he says to be true is really tested. It's in this place where I get to align what I say I believe with what I actually do. Do we really trust God with the outcome? this is the question that comes up over and over again in the scripture because trusting god i believe is a daily present tense pursuit so the question is do we trust god with the outcomes in our lives you see we know the right answer to this we see it in the scripture and yet so often we are confronted with the incongruity in our reality. We say we trust God and then we act like we don't really believe that that's true. You know, I mentioned that I went on sabbatical. And I, I when I was on sabbatical this last summer, uh, I really viewed my ministry, the things that God had called me to, uh, they were being marginalized for a time. I considered that I was I myself as a spectator. I was going to have a time out as, as, you know, to, as, you know, something in the margins where I was going to be. So during my time out, the sabbatical, I took a trip to Houston, Texas to visit a friend and take a writing class. And I got there, and of course it was, there was a Sunday in that visit, and we went to my friend's big Baptist church. And when I say big Baptist church, there's a couple things you got to know. Number one, I'm not kidding you when I say big and number two it was Texas so you know I'm not kidding you so I went to and it was called Second Baptist Church apparently there was a first Baptist Church maybe it was even bigger I don't know but I walked in and there was at least 400 people in the choir there was a full orchestra literally people I thought I died and gone to heaven I wasn't sure I was like pinch me is this for real so I sit there I listened to this whole choir and this orchestra and I praised the Lord with these people and then the pastor got up and he preached a sermon and he preached he had a he had a park bench up on the up on the stage and he sat on that park bench and he talked about how you know we need to get up off the bench and serve the Lord where we are right now and of course here I am in the middle of a sabbatical thinking I am sitting on a bench and having quite a nice time doing it and thinking maybe I should just stay sitting on that bench for the rest of my life i mean i had a new puppy i like getting up and baking something with a pound of butter every day i mean i was having a good time and i got so convicted so you know being the good southern baptist church that it was you know they had an altar call and you know who went forward it's like i i hear the i hear an altar call song and i just hit a lane and get my heart right so i just marched myself down there for prayer because i'm like lord you got to help me get up off that park bench and just keep serving you so I get down there, and this woman, Christine, comes to pray with me. Well, she thought I came to join the church. And I said, that would be super lovely. This is an amazing church with your, all your 400 people in the choir. I love it, but it's a bit of a long commute from Mission, B.C. I said, I actually came for prayer. So she prayed with me. It was a real sweet time. As we came to a conclusion of our time together, she looked at me, and a tear rolled down her face. And she says, you know... I have a daughter also named Krista. And then the whole story tumbled out about her beautiful 17-year-old daughter that was in the middle of a gender identity crisis and had left her faith behind and had left home and moved to South Carolina. And as that whole story tumbled out, I was able to pray with Christine for her daughter. And I left. I left that interaction with a deeper understanding of what it looks like to live in the present moment. You see, I had just obeyed God in that moment and walked down an aisle to get my heart right because I knew I needed prayer and I needed to be brave and walk down an aisle. And God had a bigger plan in mind that I had no idea that I was going to meet up with a girl, a woman who needed prayer for her daughter who shared a name with me. And because we shared a name, she felt compelled to share the story with me so that I could continue to this day to pray for a little girl named Krista who desperately needs to come back to her Savior. It was if, I, le- I left that interaction, and it was if I could hear God saying to me, Krista, do you get it? It's all action. I'm never not at work in and through you. You see, I had wrongly placed a margin, a place, a a wall around what i believed god would do in and through me i placed a boundary around what it looked like for god to use me and god showed me that this mindset was actually sabotaging the very thing that i was pursuing you know even though we know all the right answers Sometimes God in his mercy brings along seemingly unexplainable, random, uncontrollable circumstances that fray the edges of our lives because he's piecing together a different narrative beyond what you and I could ever imagine. And our call in the scripture is that we embrace the present moment because when I do this, it's an investment of undivided trust in God's all-encompassing provision, even when I don't understand it. You know, we're so tempted to live in the projection of the future with little thought or attention to what's happening in the present moment in our lives because confronting our lack of trust in God's provision right now unravels our control and it's uncomfortable for us. You see, the mindset, or more pointedly, this heart posture causes a tension in our lives that I'm gonna call panxiety. Now, I made that word up. I actually tried Googling it. It's not a word, but this is what I think it is. Panxiety is the intersection of panic and anxiety. It's a state of heart and mind that sabotages your present moment it sabotages it with doubt and worry and causes a disconnection between two fundamental questions that we need to ask ourselves as Christ followers. What am I here to do in this moment? What does God call me to do right now? And what am I actually doing right now? And here in Matthew 6, as we go back into the scripture, we bring our time together to a close. I want you to see this. This is what Jesus says in Verse 28. Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today here alive and tomorrow is thrown into an oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. O oh, you of little trust. O oh, you full of anxiety. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all of these things, and your Heavenly Father knows that you have need of them all. And here it is. Here's the answer to the question, What am I here to do in this moment? Jesus says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And then he says in verse 34, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for today is its own trouble. What are we to do in this moment? We're to seek the kingdom of God first and all his righteousness. And we are not to be anxious about tomorrow. No matter where you are in your faith journey, seeking God first, Is the mandate that we have been given in the scripture you see jesus came to seek and to save us the lost he came to exchange our anxiety for freedom from anxiety freedom from fear freedom from panxiety. and so i leave you with this this morning i think about that beautiful passage of scripture that we looked at during our worship time from psalm 63 Oh, God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My body longs for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will praise you. I will seek you first. I will trust in you first. And our benediction this morning uh, is from Psalm 90 where Moses says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting you are God we have no need to fear we have every reason to trust because our God is from everlasting to everlasting Amen